Hi guys, welcome to the eighth episode of the Rocky Obad pod. I've realized that almost every intro I start with, hello, hello. So this time I made sure to change it up. That was getting a little annoying, but I hope everyone is having a great day and this podcast finds you well. I've noticed that we have some new followers too. So shout out to you guys. The more the merrier. Love that you're streaming and listening and following along. So I thought I'd just reintroduce myself so y'all can have a little more context as to what we're about and what we're trying to do. So hi, I'm Hayden Mitzloff, a clinical mental health counseling student in my fourth semester of Lipscomb University's counseling program. I'm a clinical intern at Nashville Collaborative Counseling Center, a group practice here in Nashville. So if you're in Nashville, check us out. A lot of great clinicians there. And I am in my fifth year of eating disorder recovery. I struggled with anorexia, bulimia. I also struggle with anxiety and body image issues today. So just all the things I am in no way perfect or claim to be, but I hope to shed light on some really important issues and give people a platform to let their voices be heard. I also like to start every episode by asking a guest what their go-to inspirational, motivational, and empowering song is. And then after each episode, I add that song to a collaborative Spotify playlist called Main Character Energy. So everyone go follow along and incorporate that inspo into your own lives. We all need some positivity and this playlist is collaborative. So please feel free to add your own choices too. I want to hear from y'all and love connecting through music. So definitely add your favorites. I inevitably end up adding more and more choices every week. Um, so I would love to switch it up. I think we're up to like 80 now and clearly I haven't had 80 guests on here, but please add your favorites. My song of this week is Cold Water by Justin Bieber and Major Lazer. This is such a throwback. It brings me back to my freshman year of college going through Rush. I think literally every sorority played this song as we entered the doors, but it's such a banger. Bieber fever is as strong as ever. You gotta love them. So that's that for our intro. And now to the point of today's episode. I'm flying solo for this one, but I'm super pumped about the topic because it's something I've been struggling with now more than ever. And it's imposter syndrome, a syndrome worthy of a DSM diagnosis and one we wish we could resolve with the prescription of a doctor. But unfortunately, it's just not that simple. And we've really got to do some inner work to resolve it. And for those of you unfamiliar with imposter syndrome, it's basically an experience where one believes that they're not as competent as other people perceive them to be. So you feel like you're not smart enough or you're not as smart as other people think you are. And you believe that your success isn't deserving and that you lack capabilities or skills to achieve certain things. And in this, you feel like a phony, hence the name imposter syndrome. You feel like an imposter. You feel like a fraud. You feel like you only got this far because of luck and none of this was your own doing. You feel like other people are going to catch on to this and realize you aren't worthy of all that you have or all that you've done. And imposter syndrome is something that nearly everyone experiences, subconsciously or consciously to some degree. You've probably received a test score where you're like, damn, I didn't deserve an A on that. Or you're about to take a test and you're like, there's no way I'm going to do well or pass this. I don't have the intelligence expected of me. Or you've just landed an awesome new job and you're like, shit, I have no idea what I'm doing and my boss is going to see that and question why they hired me. I'm not worthy of this position. You know, all the good stories that we create in our heads and somehow convince ourselves to believe. 
And while it may sound like this concept was just coined out of nowhere, the term was first used by psychologists in the 1970s. So I swear it's legit. I did some research. And Susanna Imes and Pauline Clance, also don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but they really introduced us to this concept of imposter syndrome, and they called it the imposter phenomenon. And they completed a study with high-achieving women. And among their select sample, despite an outstanding academic and professional like accomplishments, um, the women in that group expressed their feelings of inadequacy, feeling like they weren't smart enough and have fooled people who believe otherwise. And my radar just really goes off hearing that. Like, this is so present in my life recently. I feel like I'm not competent enough to be a counselor. I feel like I'm not articulate enough to have a podcast, hence my stuttering in every episode. (laughs) I feel like I'm not cool enough to have certain friends or to talk to certain people. But I really became acutely aware of this in my group therapy class when my identity really came into question, when I didn't know how to show up for myself, but especially for those around me in that class. And one of the really cool things about this class is that a majority of the semester is spent doing a processing group simulation. So our class of about 20 or so students is broken into two groups, each meeting separately to process all of our unique problems. And while this is technically a mock simulation, we're bringing all of our real shit into the room. We're bringing very real issues, emotions, and feelings into this environment. And while I was super pumped to dive into the group sessions, I couldn't help but notice an immense amount of anxiety that really overcame me during during our first meeting. My heart rate increased and I got this knot in my throat whenever I thought about speaking. Like I hadn't even said anything yet and I was already that anxious, that nervous. And I was like, what the heck? Like I'm very comfortable talking about just about anything with just about anyone. Yet why was I overcome with such fear? And after thinking about this, I think it comes down to the fact that I didn't know how to show up. There's this weird juxtaposition of showing up as a client and showing up as a learning student and developing counselor. While I'm expected to share with the group, I'm also expected to support my peers, practicing reflections, open-ended questions, and other interventions and skills that we're beginning to accumulate through our other classes. I felt like my identity was being pulled in two different directions. And I know that despite whatever I share with the group, their feelings of me won't change, but I struggle with where my identity rests and practicing vulnerability with the group while facilitating the vulnerability of my peers through effective counseling techniques. As each role opposes one another, I feel myself doubting my capability to adequately fulfill each position. I feel incompetent as a client and I feel incompetent as a counselor. And because I'm not confident in my ability to articulate support while disclosing my feelings and emotions, I choose to do neither. And I'm definitely one of the more quiet people in that class, which is not really like me. I mean, I have a podcast, like I'm comfortable talking, but it's just this weird juxtaposition. And this transcends into other areas of my life as well. Because I'm not confident in my ability to conduct a good interview for the podcast, I don't ask certain people to be on it. I'm too scared to DM someone and be like, hey, I think you're cool as shit. Want to talk about it on the podcast? Because I'm not confident in my ability to complete a cycle class to the capacity that I used to, I don't sign up. Because I'm not confident in my ability to look good in a bathing suit, I'd rather not go to the pool at all. And as dumb as some of these things sound, the list goes on and on. And this feeling of not being good enough is always there and it's in so many other areas. And I was thinking about this and I was questioning, does my resistance to these things come from a fear of failing for myself 
And yes, to some extent, sure. But a majority of it comes from the perception of failure from someone else's standpoint. I fear that others will think that I have failed. And this is just no way to live. Like, I'm not going to do anything if I'm afraid of what everyone is going to think of me all the time. And going back to the imposter syndrome I experienced in class, this brings me to imposter syndrome we experience within vulnerability. In order for a processing group to work effectively, each member is expected to practice vulnerability to some extent. And each week, as I sit through these sessions, each member reveals their beautifully authentic vulnerability. And I can't help but question my own vulnerability and the authenticity behind it. Like I said before, yes, I have no problem being vulnerable, but I really find myself only expressing this vulnerability when I'm comfortable. I have to feel safe. Like here's some of me, here's a glimpse of me getting vulnerable, but I'm still going to keep some of this to myself, but I still get credit for being vulnerable and I can find some freedom in that. And this curated vulnerability can show up in many other ways in our lives, especially with society's push for vulnerability these days. You know why vulnerability is trending right now? Because people crave connection now more than ever. And vulnerability breeds connection, right? But what's the value of vulnerability that's inauthentic? What's the value of vulnerability that's perfectly curated or tailored to meet someone else's expectations or tailored to meet someone else's individual needs? That's not the kind of vulnerability I want to see in others. I want other people to show up as their authentic selves. I don't want them to show up as the person they think I want to see. And why do we do this? Like, why the hell is this so hard? Why do we alter who we show up as for other people? I think it's because for the longest time, we've been conditioned to think that vulnerability is bad. Wipe your tears, pull up your bootstraps, rub some dirt on it. And every time I say rub some dirt on it, I don't know why I think of it in like a Matthew McConaughey voice, like rub some dirt on it, but that didn't even sound like him, but you know what I'm saying? And while there are important lessons that come out of those sayings, those sayings subconsciously influence who we show up as. Those sayings influence our ability to be vulnerable. We've been conditioned to think vulnerability equates to weakness. So no shit, we're going to have trouble expressing authentic vulnerability. We've never done it before. Vulnerability? We don't know her. Who is this bitch? But seriously, though, our definition of vulnerability has been skewed. So there's this dichotomy of feeling like we need to suppress our emotions and feelings. And then on the other side, vulnerability being trendy and encouraged. And when we're brought into this gray area, we question what we can say and share. Will they think I'm weak if I'm vulnerable? Will they think I'm stoic if I don't express emotions? Am I crying just because other people expect me to cry? Am I only sharing a little because I want people to think I'm open while I'm still holding some of my cards close? And this brings us back to the idea of imposter syndrome. Of course, we're going to feel like frauds. We are conditioned to show up in ways that are conducive for others and not ourselves. And when we show up as something that's incongruent to who we really are or how we really feel, yeah, we feel like imposters, which is a good thing. (laughs) So why do we continue to alter how we show up based on how we think other people will see us? And you might be thinking, sure, that makes sense. But how do we catch ourselves doing this in our own lives? In my own life, I think of times when I've been opening up to a friend and crying. I break down, 
diving into vulnerability, putting all my cards on the table. Then once I catch myself doing this, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. No matter the reaction of my friend, I start to wipe my tears and I pull myself together saying something like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to dump this on you. Or I'm sorry, clearly I haven't eaten enough today. Or my hormones are out of whack. It's that time of month or some other humorous defense mechanism. But that's when the imposter comes in and tells me that's not okay. This vulnerability is not okay. My friend will no longer think I'm worthy of love and affection after breaking down like this. So I listen to that voice in my head and I quickly pull my cards back off the table. Just kidding, that didn't happen. (laughs) But do y'all ever find yourself doing this? If you do, it's totally normal. Like I said, we've been conditioned to act this way. But in order to pursue deeper connection and relationships to others and ourselves, we need to first recognize the limitations of this logic. We need to heighten our awareness of these moments of imposter syndrome. We need to start showing up as ourselves for ourselves. I'm going to say that again. We need to start showing up as ourselves for ourselves. And I wish there was a blueprint we could follow to do this because, man, it's not easy. And there's just not one. Otherwise, vulnerability would be so easy. But what we can do is remind ourselves that we're only human. And the people around us, they're human too. And the best part about being human, no one says we have to be perfect. We're allowed to fuck up. There isn't a human being on this earth who hasn't. And if there is, find that person. It might be Jesus, but there, everyone messes up. So thinking about this, what risks would you take if you knew you were allowed to mess up? How would you express yourself if you knew you were allowed to mess up? What conversations would you have? Where would you go? And what would you share if you knew you were allowed to mess up? We will always mess up. We're supposed to mess up. The problem is that we always compare our mess to someone else's best. And in that comparison, we feel like a fraud. We feel like a phony. We feel like other people are going to see right through us. But they have a mess too. They have a mess deep down that we don't know about. And this comparison, this imposter syndrome is the thief of creativity, authenticity, and transparency. And while I say all of this, I really, really am making a conscious effort to not let this fear deprive me of these things, of creativity, authenticity, and transparency. So here's to the mess on the way to our best. That's my TED Talk on imposter syndrome and authentic vulnerability. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to check out that playlist. It's going to be in the show notes and I'll have some other resources for y'all if you want to dive into imposter syndrome a little bit more because um, we just really scratched the surface. But thanks for tuning in. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next time.